This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey, I better throw in another plug for Patriot Realty. That was last week, but I might have missed it a couple of times. The Patriot Realty uh, phone line, right? Uh, Absolutely. We might have missed that a couple of times. They were a proud supporter Thank of the Courage Kenny Thank auction. Thank you for their fine contribution to the Courage uh, Kenny Foundation. Myron Metcalf is with us. Thanks for making time, sir. You are a busy man between your writing and your radio duties for ESPN. Every time I hear the national broadcast on the weekend, you're on. <laughs> they keep me busy. That's for sure. Okay, Myron. Uh, some fantastic storylines going on here, but the quality of the basketball, uh, more often than not, has been hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, Kansas State, UMBC uh, wasn't the prettiest game uh, I've seen, and I think when you have these top seeds out, when you have these teams out that you expect to to compete and have a chance to win a championship in Wichita State and, uh, you know, Cincinnati, all the other squads are out. The thing is, yeah, it makes for a great kind of opening slate. But, you know, I don't think anyone believes that UMBC is a better team than Virginia. They got hot one night. <laughs> uh, and, and now Virginia is sitting at home. So I, I'm going to the south region of Atlanta where we've got Loyola, Chicago, Nevada, Kansas State, and Kentucky. Uh, I don't think that's exactly what the city officials in Atlanta we're hoping for well uh, don't worry any empty seats not taken the kentucky fans will take care of those that's for sure boy what a effort by michigan state down the stretch though they uh they played right into the zone's hands didn't they just throwing up threes and then what syracuse invites you to choke don't they that <laughs> you miss a three then they're they're betting on you you're gonna miss another one no? i mean it's amazing that that zone can uh, befuddle people like that yeah, it's very, it's very psychological in that it's one of those things where Jim Bayon hasn't changed in 30 years. You, know? so you assume, well, we're so familiar with the scheme, nothing can surprise us. But then all of a sudden you start missing shots and you see teams tense up. I, I saw a lot of Michigan State fans who said, hey, we just missed shots. That's why we lost the game. Exactly. That's the whole point. I mean, that's what Syracuse <laughs> was hoping for, right? Uh, yes. And I just think Bayheim kind of weaseled his way into this tournament. A lot of people didn't think he deserves to be here. Me. And now, you know, they're playing some of the best defense that we see. Uh, you cannot win a game like that, giving up 20-some offensive rebounds, but they did. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty amazing that Michigan State had just about every opportunity. I mean, Frank Howard, who's, you know, the first or second best player on that team, sure. missed the last nine minutes. They played with a guy down the stretch who was a former – Division three guy and still won. So yes, uh, you know this is where I think people don't realize the value of coaching and experience. 
Brown has been there, done that, and uh, clearly he had the edge on Tom Izzo. Yeah, and they he played that the kid played at Grinnell where they were running up and down. The, they were playing Loyola Marymount style, yeah. trying to beat you 140 to 120. And he goes in there and he he, he held in. Is is his? Does he have no bench? Uh, uh, Bayheim has he got like six seven guys? Yeah, not not a very deep. A very deep, deep team. So I think when Frank Howard goes out with that foul, I think the eight thirty six mark or whatever, I think a lot of people went, okay, that's the end for Syracuse. But the fact that they can hold on against the Michigan State team that has two lottery picks, yes. Aaron Jackson and Miles Bridges, uh, that was remarkable. There was nobody ever more confused by that zone than poor Jackson. Though they threw the ball in the at the at the free throw line there inside the zone, and he turned around. And he had no idea what he was supposed to do once he did that. Yeah, he looked. Uh, he didn't help himself in that game. I mean, I think he'll still be a top ten pick, but yeah, he he, he had some of course sort of that Where's Waldo look every time he got the ball. It didn't look comfortable, and uh, you know, I think guys like Jim Beheim can smell that. They can smell that you know sense of uh, that lack of comfort that a young guy like that had against that zone, and they took advantage. Hey, hey, uh, Myron, uh, you know, there's the, obviously the. Uh, the Loyola Nevada storyline uh, story is great. The UMBC, but you—I was looking at your reseedings. Texas A&M. It's basically been chaos all year. They threw one of their best players off. They've had suspensions all year. They're in the final sixteen. Texas Tech went in the tank, and they're in the final sixteen. I mean, those are two amazing stories too. Yeah, I mean Texas A&M has kind of been like college basketball's Breakfast Club. I mean, they just. <laughs> keep getting into trouble and they have fights and suspensions and you know the injuries were the least of their concerns considering all the off the court drama and I talked to Billy Kennedy and he admits you know my team was a mess he he said it publicly how much discipline they lacked and uh, that's the beauty of the tournament a lot of Kansas fans were mad at me because I received them 10th on my list but I'm going by how teams played this weekend and to me uh, Texas A&M with that talent if they play with their potential they've got a higher ceiling than Kansas and a lot of other teams when you consider, you know, how deep they are and guys like Robert Williams. But that's why I love the tournament. Those guys figured it out, and Michigan State is sitting at home. Go figure. Uh, I, uh, I, this could be Huggy's year, man. West Virginia, they're mean. They just, they play Huggins basketball. They're nasty. They're hard-nosed. They aren't real talented. If they would ever play Syracuse, it would be a bloodbath. Yeah, that'd be fun to watch. I mean, you know, Syracuse and West Virginia are interesting in that they're very hard teams to prepare for overnight. Like, they're a difficult team to, if you haven't seen them and you're coming from some other league, you know, what do you do about West Virginia? You can't simulate that pressure in practice, uh, and all of a sudden you got those guys coming at you. So, yeah, I think I think uh, Hugs uh, has a chance in a field that is not what it was a week ago. And I, I just want to be there for the press conference because, he, he he's the best quote in college basketball, <laughs> and now he's reached that point where he just doesn't care. No, the thing about Beheim versus Hugs is you just get two guys who really don't care what anybody <laughs> thinks at this point, uh, and that's what I love. What's Beheim now? Seventy three, seventy two, or three? Seventy. I think he's seventy three. Yeah, he has definitely reached a different level of not caring. No, oh, yeah, he's. Uh... He's unbelievable uh, that he he just keeps functioning. Uh, what else? What I found was interesting. Also, these teams that have been touched by scandal in various ways. How many of those guys mailed it in? Arizona, Auburn, 
Even Michigan State, you could almost, I, I mean, I don't know if they mailed it in, but they played terrible. And even North Carolina's got the, the cloud over them to some degree, and uh, they kind of mailed it in yesterday, too. Yeah, you know what I hate, though, uh, Pat, is it always becomes an excuse after the game. Going into yes. the game, Arizona was fine. You know, oh, sure. rallied together against all the controversy. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden they lose to Buffalo, get crushed by 21 <laughs> against Buffalo, and... Yeah, we were going through some things. Come on, man. You you can't have it both ways. People were saying that about Michigan State, too. Oh, they were distracted. Get get out of here. They, they had two lottery picks against a, a Syracuse team that most people don't think deserve to be in the tournament. Um, you you got to find a way to win that game. Miles Bridges, those guys had opportunities. So, for me, you know, don't make that excuse after the game. But you, you're you seeing a lot of people who are suddenly uh, bringing up different reasons as to what happened. Uh, and why they lost. But I, I agree with you in, in the sense of the, that they do give you that whole lingo before the game, and then, uh, you know, in Michigan State's case, they just checked against the, uh, against uh, you know, they choked against the zone. But Arizona, that was a team that didn't care if they were playing or not, uh, I thought, anyway. Yeah, I mean, they uh they, they announced there that they were leaving for the NBA. Some of those guys at halftime or something. I mean, they were. I've never, I've never seen a faster "we're going to the NBA" uh, <laughs> announcement from players on a team that just lost. You know, usually you hear guys say, "You know what? I'm worried about my team. Give me a day or two to think about my future." Even if they've made a decision, DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier were saying, "Yeah, I mean, talk to my agent because yeah, it's over. I'm leaving." Uh, so you, 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 that didn't help uh, all the people who said they don't care. When you hear players talk like that after the game, and I was down there in Arizona for a while, seven, eight days, and I just think that was a team that never really came together, never really found a way to play together. DeAndre is a special player, but what a mess that program is right now. And uh, you mentioned Kentucky. It's fantastic. When the uh, when the pairings came out, I I listened to an interview with Calipari, who's fantastic, too, but talking about how everybody was telling them how the Wildcats had gotten robbed. They were sending them out to Boise. They were in the toughest regional. And now they go down there with all these strangers. It's uh, it's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm waiting for the press conference where he says, wait a minute, this is too easy. You know, it was too hard a week ago. You know, I, I, I tweeted and, and Kentucky fans ran with it and went crazy and misinterpreted. But I said, you know, does Kentucky really want to win against this competition? Now, of course... Kentucky wants to get to the Final Four, and if that's easy for them, they'll take it. But I just don't know what sense of satisfaction you get from maybe beating a Kansas State team that's squeezed by UMBC <laughs> and went one for 12 from the three-point line and, and playing a, a, a team where their most famous player is the 90-something-year-old nun uh, <laughs> who sits at the end of the bench. So I, I just think this is a Kentucky team that will probably win both games by 10, uh, 15 points, but they'll also, you know, at the end of it, I don't think they'll get a ton of credit. I'm not sure how much you, you deserve to get when that's the path you have. My problem is, if you're going to complain about this hard path, when you get this gift a week later, yes, don't yeah, you have to come and say, hey, thanks. <laughs> hey, uh, Myra, you're asking for too much of American coaching, by the way. But, <laughs> Very true. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm surprised I was looking at your reseedings. You got my Michigan guys down there 15th, but they played two very mediocre games over the weekend, so that's yeah, why. Yeah, and I'm not really sure. Here's the thing. Isn't everybody happy to be in the Sweet 16? Everybody's good. Sure. It's amazing how people want to be first, second. It's like, listen, 
You're all going to play here in the next couple of days anyway before <laughs> figure it out. I just felt like Michigan, you know, Houston was the better team in that game when yes. they won on a buzzer beater. They just hit that crazy shot at the end. So that's where I kind of knock them back a little bit. Now, you can steal this from me, but I exchanged text with uh, Eric Musselman today and pointed out to him, you know, his da- uh, Sid Hartman and his dad were big buddies. And I said, yeah. uh, I said, you got uh, you got a night you got a ninety eight year old Sid in your corner, but uh, he's taking on a ninety uh, eight year old nun, and uh, I don't know if that's a good matchup for you. So that's <laughs> the nun. Uh, the nun who didn't pick her own team, by the way, to advance in her bracket. Let's, let's remember that she didn't pick Loyola Chicago to win <laughs> and get here. So she's kind of playing both sides of this thing. I think everyone should know that. Well, that's, uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'd rather have a 98-year-old nun rooting for me than Sid, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%. That'll be a fun game. All right, so uh, you can't change your region plans. They already booked you into Atlanta, huh? They booked me in Atlanta, yeah, and I think, you know, maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe we'll get some great games, but, like I said, I don't think the officials in Atlanta uh, were expecting this. Kentucky fans, like you said, will swarm that city. Uh, but let's see how many people come out for Loyola and Nevada. Might not be the same as uh, a Virginia or a Cincinnati or a Tennessee might have shown up. Uh, all righty, sir. Thanks for your time, Myron, and have a good uh, week. All right, thank you. All right, Myron Metcalf, uh, former Star Tribune Gopher basketball writer and uh, got hired at ESPN's done a terrific job, and he's got a future in the electronic media, too. I can guarantee I hear him on ESPN now. They're using him more. And, uh, you know, if he, as he makes his mark in the electronic media, who's he got to thank? 1,500 ESPN. That's we gave right. his first shot, didn't we? That's right. I never heard of him. We're Oops. glad. <laughs> We're glad to have him uh, whenever he can make time for us. We shall return. Taking the ride with Roycey. They're going the wrong way. He said we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? On 1500 ESPN. And the sports person of the day here on the ride with Roycey is brought to you by the word volatility. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. You know, I just I kept executing the shots I wanted to. I played quite conservatively. I hit quite a lot of irons off the tees over the weekend and, you know, trusted that my my sort of six, seven, eight irons were going to get me close enough that I had looks for birdie and and I, and I hit those shots well enough. So it's it's been, you know, every part of my game, there's been a huge improvement over the past 10 days, I guess. About four or five years ago, about four years ago, we thought uh, Roy McElroy was going to be the next Tiger Woods. He was 22 years old and out there winning tournaments and winning majors and absolutely hitting the ball 500 miles. And uh, he looked like Tiger, and Tiger was starting to fade then. Uh, obviously, he'd had his problems. And Rory has had trouble making putts and had not, uh, you know, been doing all that well. Now, he won, He was winning over in Europe every once in a while when he stopped there, but he was not uh, playing that well here. I don't know. You guys aren't golf watchers, are you? Did you see any of this I watched a little fellas? this weekend, yeah. He made five birdies in the last six holes and wow. turned it into a rout, and he was rolling in like, 30-foot putts, but he also chipped in 
from down below, uh, off the green, right dead center. It was a fantastic performance by Rory McIlroy. He ends up on the 16th tee. He might have been. It might have. He was either one or two ahead of Tiger. Tiger hit it out of bounds, and McElroy kept making bird, uh, birdies, and he ended up beating Tiger by eight shots. You know Tiger, what? He ended up seventeen under. Tiger ended up nine under. But uh, I've always liked the kid. I, you know, I, I was. I didn't approve when he broke up his engagement with Caroline. Of course not. He was very heartbroken. I, I thought she was a very attractive young lady, and they could have cranked out some tennis playing golfers that were uh, fantastic. <laughs> but and cute too. But uh, I, I've always uh, liked him a lot. You know what I have always really kind of enjoyed about Rory is when he's going good. He's got that cocky arrogance. I'm gonna oh, yeah. kick your rear end, like no. And that's what I. That, that's what draws me into golf is guys like that because it's just so stale and it's 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 not really for me. It there isn't. It doesn't seem that there's that competitive arrogance amongst the players. At least they don't give that persona off. That's why I like Rory. Well, he and uh, Tiger. One thing they had in common was letting you see their emotions. And uh, but the thing about this guy that makes him one of the most amazing players of all time. Now I know everybody's hitting the ball 900 yards, but he weighs about 170. Right. Yeah. You know, and 165. And Tiger, you know, hits the ball when he was a. You know, when he was kid and young and his back was good. And by the way, his club head speed right now is like third best on the on the tour. But uh, the, McElroy hits it farther than anybody when he has to with that little body because there is that, that swing of his, that downforce on that swing of his when he gets to the ball is just amazing. And uh, if he can... Now, I know our friend Corzo, who's a pretty good student of golf, believes that Rory will never win at Augusta because he can't make enough putts. And But Augusta, in a lot of ways, even though length is rewarded, Augusta, in a lot of ways, is a putting contest with those greens that have dead elephants underneath them. And because but, the players have such familiarity with it, doesn't it just come down to execution, too? Don't you think? Yeah. But he almost won it, you know, remember when he was going to win it about when he was just a kid, like 21 years old, and he hit it over there between the cabins on, on number <laughs> 10. Right, it, was, yeah. it was the leftist ball of all time. But, uh, boy, how is this for golf right now, though? Two weeks ago, Phil wins in Mexico City. Yep. Last week, Tiger damn near wins. And, uh, you know, and Casey ends up winning, but they go crazy in Tampa, right? Hey, Tiger's back. And now Rory McIlroy, who'd been in a slump to some degree, he wins. I'd say they got her uh, going in their favor heading into Augusta. They just released to the odds for the Masters, Pat. I think this was courtesy of Westgate, but Tiger's Mm -hmm. still at 8-1. Rory, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson are all tied at 10-1 odds to win the Masters. Wow. Uh, I can guarantee you that I don't think that the Masters will have Tiger, Rory. They won't have Phil with them. Phil, Phil will be in his own group. But they'll. They, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dustin, Rory, and uh, Tiger the first two days together. Hmm. That would, uh, and that would cause a bit of a ruckus down Was there. Was it last year that Dustin Johnson missed the Masters? Or was that? Yeah, when he fell down. That's the steps. right. When he fell yeah. down the steps. Yeah. 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 Fell down the steps. What carrying a? I don't know what. I he think was he was carrying the child. Was he not? I hope not. 
But the, no, yeah. like that's why he fell because he was trying to protect the child. I thought I thought that's what the <laughs> case was. I can't remember what he was carrying. Or maybe that was me after a Vikings game. <laughs> that's what I did when I stepped in the wagon. That's right. In the trailer uh, fifty years ago, I protected the child. That's right. I caught him on the way down after, uh, you know, it was a hell of a, but the greatest catch of my career. Uh, yeah. So, see, we all we all fight for uh, to yeah. keep our children amongst us. Not to be confused with the time you wanted to wake up the child for pizza at 2 o'clock. No, that was, that was a different night. time. No, well, it was, was the same, same night. night. Okay. Yeah, that was the same night. We woke him up, Augie and I woke him up to join us for pizza. He was still in a crib. Maybe a year and, I don't, I don't know, maybe a year, a little over a year and... And I turned around and stepped in his wagon, and the wagon scooted away, and the kid went up in the air, and uh, I went up in the air too, but landed, and the whole trailer shook, and uh, the uh, and then I caught him on the way down and went in, and we ate some pizza. Don't so, worry, I got him. <laughs> I don't understand why that first wife ever divorced. See, well, what was her problem anyway? I don't know. We'll be back. John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update is sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. The Minnesota Wild will be playing tonight. They're in action. They're at home to play Los Angeles at the Excel Energy Center. And Patrick, you'll be happy to know that young Will will be attending his very first really? Minnesota Wild well, game this evening. You don't want to get him interested, and he might want to play <laughs> hockey, and your life is ruined. Yeah, we are. We have successfully avoided that, although we did have to go through soccer this last winter. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks like the Vikings will open the season on the road against the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. That, according to various reports from Sports Illustrated, uh, Howard Eskin, and various other people, the official... Annie Hill had it three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, official NFL schedule has not yet been released. By the way, we also saw a video today, if you were on Twitter, of uh, Carson Wentz throwing footballs. Well, Ooh, that's what he does. All of you and man Dan really excited? <laughs> they're not going to trade... Uh, they're not going to trade... Uh, Foles. Foles. Huh? Well, I, I don't think I Carson's going to be ready. Well make sure he's ready to go yeah, before yeah. you do that. Exactly. they got a title to defend. Uh, former Vikings news, uh, the Panthers are signing uh, wide receiver Jarius Wright. He was they re- like us ex-Vikings. They, there's a ton of them there, isn't there? Yeah, right. Uh, Munnerlin, Khalil, him. Uh, Wright uh, was released last week by the Vikings. Cordero Patterson over the weekend traded by the Raiders to the New England Patriots. The Pats sending a fifth-round pick to the Raiders. Watch him become a pro bowler in New England. <laughs> Uh, the New York Jets making it official yesterday. Teddy Bridgewater is signed to a one-year deal. Uh, by the way, did you guys see the only guaranteed money in that is yeah. 500000 So it really? wasn't as much yeah. as they all, because it's all incentive-based. Right. He's not going to play yeah. that much. Exactly. And, well, yeah. they might play, but we don't know. But also, the... Uh the uh, they're gonna they're moving up apparently to draft a quarterback. Yeah, they so they uh, just made a trade to get the third overall pick. Right, they, they acquired the number three pick in the NFL draft from the Colts on Saturday. So uh, you would assume they're gonna pick a quarterback there at some point. Uh, uh, somebody there'll be somebody left that they want. Uh, speaking yes. of making it official, the Vikings sent out a press release today saying they've acquired quarterback Trevor Simeon from the Broncos. Now, here's how that trade worked. Okay, the Vi- Broncos, uh, Vikings, excuse me, sent the Broncos their 2019 fifth round draft pick in exchange for Simeon, and the Vikings also get a 2018 seventh round draft pick. 
Okay, so well, yeah, they get a seventh rounder, but so they got a fifth rounder, but Tricky Rick got himself a, a seventh rounder for this year. That's okay. correct. Yes. Oh, uh, then he can brag about how many draft choices he had. Twins lose to the Pirates today. Uh, finally, eleven to eight. Uh, they will be off tomorrow. Uh, remember when Rangers pitcher Martin Perez suffered that freak injury in the offseason? A, a bull came charging at him, and he yes. fell. He tried to get out of the way. He fell awkwardly, broke his non-pitching elbow, and he had to have surgery on it. Well, Perez is happy to report now that the bull has met the swift hand of justice. He told reporters, I killed him and I ate him. <laughs> <laughs> I love Where's the guy from? Uh, he's in Venez- Venezuela. Where That's, right. Yep. That's right. That's <laughs> right. They, you know, Latin America, they have justice down there. <laughs> well, those bulls can be money makers too. So mm-hmm. he must have been really mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did. You, plus, you got to marinate that money and uh, that meat in a oh in yeah a, in a bowl. You can't yeah. just eat, take That's a some steak. Some angry meat, tough, tougher than a rock. They give you the meat sweats. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Perez uh, talked to reporters after he pitched yesterday. He said it was good meat. No more bull. <laughs> I love baseball. I love baseball. Uh, Perez is ahead of schedule in his rehab. He was originally expected to miss about four months after the surgery to repair the break. Do you think after the bull uh, broke this guy's elbow, he got back to the pen and looked at and all the other cars? Are, you idiot! <laughs> uh, he went five innings yesterday and he was good, so uh, he's he's good to go already. All right, Johnny. Thank you. You bet. The Ride with Royce. Come on, join me in this fight against crap. <laughs> join me in the fight against crap. <laughs> That's right. On 1500 ESPN. The Ride with Royce now continues. First of all, 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. It's time for Late Hits. And off turn four, the headlines will read, Jersey Boy goes California Dreaming. Martin Truex Jr. wins the Auto Club 400. Martin Truex Jr. Uh, was the winner of the uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series last season. He had eight victories, uh, most of them on a mile-and-a-half track, and uh, he hadn't won in the first four races this year. In fact, Kevin Harvick had won three in a row, and people were asking him, when are you going to win? Well, uh, yesterday, you know what his margin of victory was? 11.685 seconds in NASCAR. That's like uh, half a track, right? Unbelievable. Uh, easy win for him. Kevin Harvick's streak ends at uh, three in a row because he got in a crash, uh, banging and uh, rubbing paint with uh, Kyle Larson. He ended up uh, driving a damaged car all the way around and finished 35th. Only the fifth race of the year, but Truex uh, wins and wins big. All right, gents. uh, We were talking earlier today about, uh, you know, whether something was on Jorge Polanco's mind Mm -hmm. when... uh, uh, you know, when he's making all those errors this year, and then he ends up because he knew for a month he was probably facing his 80-game suspension. And I brought up that Calvin's great quote about thinking that something might be on Danny Thompson's mind because he was making a bunch of errors uh, when Danny was uh, being uh, going through experimental treatment for leukemia down in Rochester. 
So I had to go back and look at my guys. These were two of my favorite all-time twins, Bobby Randall. They moved Rodney to first. Bobby Trandall, Randall was the second baseman who could turn the double play with the best of them, and Danny Thompson was the shortstop. And Bobby Randall could, uh, you know, he's slap hitter to right field and wasn't much offensively, but uh, he'd get pinch hit for quite a bit. But he was great turning the double play, and his hometown was Gove, Kansas. G-O-V-E. And he graduated with a class of four all boys <laughs> and gave me the greatest quote ever. The senior prom was a bummer. That was his quote. And Danny was born in Wichita, but he grew up in Capron, Capron, I guess Capron, Oklahoma. So I looked up these two cities, and I knew Capron was small because I started calling them the Sod Brothers because they came from... You know, they both ended up in the dirt all the time playing. Randall got knocked down every time he turned the double play and was fantastic at it. And Danny was out there diving because he didn't have the greatest range at shortstop. And so I looked up Caprone, or Capron, Oklahoma. Doesn't exist anymore. Oh, my God. Wow. It's like uh, they, there's 43 people who live in the area, but there's no city government or no anything. And then Gove... Gove is a county seat, and it has 80 people. <laughs> you, you're you talking backwoods Kansas here, right? Yeah. So Not backwoods. When you, back prairie Kansas. When you're graduating classes, four people. Do four you, people. Do you brag about being the valedictorian? <laughs> yeah, he, he might have been. He was a fairly smart guy. Hey, uh, I finished fourth in my class. <laughs> yes, uh, dummy, right. you were the last. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... Uh, <laughs> fun writing about the sod brothers the sod back brothers that's back in the day when i first started uh, covering the twins and uh, as i said danny uh danny uh, was diagnosed in 1973 with a virulent form of leukemia and they really didn't know how to defeat it back then and he went to the mayo clinic and uh, they did a lot of they tried like heck and he ended up dying at the mayo clinic uh, uh six or seven weeks after he played his last game in texas holy and, cow uh, but he was a good guy my friend bob fowler who's also no longer with us because of als uh wrote a book about him e6 which is pretty good it's uh i don't know if anybody could uh float it down anybody but it was kind of a it's kind of a Jim Bouton type book with a lot of inside stories, except not the embarrassing ones like Bouton wrote in Ball Four, but uh, that kind of thing. Anyway, Gove, Kansas, and Capron, Oklahoma. Man. Between them, they didn't have a hundred people. So uh, last night, uh, the uh, Toronto Raptors uh, had a eleven-game uh, winning streak at home, or eleven-game winning streak at in in. Total, and I think they'd gotten to 50 and 18 as they're kind of running away with the Eastern Conference. And Oklahoma City was in there, and it was a close game. I think it went overtime. And things got rowdy. DeRozan uh, missed a, uh, uh, got apparently, they thought he got hacked on a play when the game was still close, and they didn't call it. And he screamed at the official and, and got a T. And then later on, there was another controversial play. And he got a he got he would started barking at the officials again. He got ejected. Then Abaka got in on it as he's got a tendency to do. He got ejected, and then Dwayne Casey was on the sideline standing there, and some guy standing behind Casey screamed at the officials, a fan, and they thought it was Casey, and they threw him out for the game too, <laughs> which he thought was pretty funny. But it is amazing 
the issues, the players. The NBA, a lot of years I always thought they had the best relationship with the officials, the NBA, because they talked to them by first name and, uh, you know, they'd be out there talking to them on the floor. The officials weren't terribly thin-skinned. Some of them obviously were. But it's been brutal lately this year. And uh, the three officials last night were, uh, where did I find it? Uh, Mark Davis, Brett, Brent Barnakey, and I didn't realize Haywood Workman, former yeah. player, is now, he's followed Leon Wood. He's now an official. Yep. He's, he's got to be fairly new, right? Uh, I think it's just been a couple Two, of years. Three, yeah, a yeah. couple of years. But, uh, boy, there's been a lot of rowdy uh, battles. Well, uh, and, and, and the players are basically declared war on them, and they come out publicly and rip them and take their fines. So. Well, and Pat, I mentioned this last week. It was a week ago after the Wolves played the Warriors, and it, I watched the entire game, and I, all I kept thinking was Kevin Durant is just complaining play after play. And never once did the the ref even come close to giving him a technical. And he should have. He should have at least two in that game. It was embarrassing. Uh, well, anyway, it was uh, it was uh, must have been a wild evening in Toronto. They had to escort the officials off the field. The, uh, those hockey fans were not happy. They wanted to. Uh, <laughs> they were out for blood. Up. They were out out to, out for blood. But uh, I wonder if Toronto's for real, man. Fifty they're, and eighteen. They're, they're, yeah, they're really 15 good. Fifty and nineteen now. So. Uh, one other thing. La- uh, today I was. We were downstairs having a. Uh, a little session with Polanco and they down in the dining room that they have for staff members and play and I guess the media if they want to go in there but uh there's a a lot of uh covers of baseball americas in there and one is Joe when Joe Maurer got drafted was uh you know it's it's a hometown hero and stuff and it's Joe's but to the left of that is the strange case of Matt Harrington and Matt Harrington is the guy that in 2000 a lot of is a pitcher and a lot of teams stayed away from him because of his demands were going to be so high and he had a he had a a uh an agent named Tommy Tanzier who you I don't know what happened to him for a good reason and he ended up going falling to like 6th or 7th to the Rockies and the Rockies offered him four million to sign, and also I'm not sure where he got drafted. Four million to sign, and they guaranteed him that by 2002 he would get called up to the big leagues before the 2002 season was over, and he turned it down. Anyway, but moral of the story: he ended up pitching for the St. Paul Saints in 2001. He got drafted five times. And never signed. The only guy in history to get drafted five times. Five times? And that never signed. Now, this was 2001, and they were saying the strange tale. He got drafted five times, and I I mentioned to Dan Hayes, the, the guy covering the Twins for the Athletic, I mentioned this to him. I said, this is, I looked this up, this is one of the strangest stories ever. We were waiting for Polanco, and he told me that, out in Southern California, when he was out there, he was getting his car fixed, and somehow the guy found out he was a sports writer a few years ago, and it was Matt Harrington. He told him, yeah, I got drafted in the first round. 
And then we looked him up. He's working at Costco now, uh, changing tires at Costco. Ended up pitching seven years in the independent leagues. Never pitched in organized baseball. Pitched or pitched in 2000 for the Saints and 2007 for the Saints. Holy but, uh, cow. I think yeah, I think he ended up suing Tommy Tanzier for bad advice. I think that was probably good. Well, yeah, when you get to at least three times, you would think maybe I should probably yeah, take this you know, offer. It's not going to get any better now, uh, especially when you're going from being drafted sixth overall. My God, you know, six, or he was supposed to be drafted like in the first three or four, and every team's just said, "Well, the hell with him," because the guy wants yeah. the guy wanted more money than anybody had ever got now with the 2000 draft with that with that the twins when they oh, was that garces second overall was that the 2000 draft garza garza they no not garza because it was the year before uh it was the year before mauer didn't they have rich garces like number two overall no, no he's a he was a he was a foreign kid okay uh adam johnson is adam johnson uh, that's yeah. what i'm thinking of that's what i'm thinking adam of. Johnson. Uh, he was a bit of an odd duck too so he's he made it to the majors fast and left fast. <laughs> All right. We uh, shall return with Daily Complaints. Now, on the ride with Royce, let's hear the boys' daily complaints. Hey, Hill, what is your daily complaint? I'm sorry. I'm probably in the minority in this. I can't get behind the Sister Jean movement. I'm mad. <laughs> they beat my balls. I can't well, do it. I can't do it. They beat my balls, so I can't. You, I can't. You get don't think it. the rosary had a little something to do with the ball hitting the front rim and then the back uh, rim and then you know, falling in? Huh? Yeah, I just, I just can't get on board yet. Maybe if they win, maybe next they win the next yeah, round, I bet, if they I can bet get by to by the elite weekend, eight, then yeah. yeah well, especially them, now that Myron has revealed that she didn't pick Loyola to win in her bracket, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's the height of ninety-eight-year-old hypocrisy. I, I will say, and I Patrick, thought we had the guy that was the height of ninety-eight-year-old hypocrisy. But, uh, <laughs> I will say the bitter taste of my Vols getting knocked out by uh, Sister Jean on Saturday. Uh, had it was something it, to it, do with your well, anger. Well, it 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 was made up for yesterday. Why? While uh, Honest Bruce Pearl was getting ran oh out of the God. gym again, <laughs> this time by Clemson. They had was 15 great. points at halftime. Yeah, it was 69-29 Clemson with like 10 minutes they left. They all know Bruce is going to the, the FBI. is coming to see Bruce here pretty <laughs> soon. They all know it's all over down there. What do you have there, Reavers? Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Patrick. Yes. He was yeah, acquired he for the Lakers. the Lakers trade, right? Well, uh, somebody got a microphone, put it in front of his face, and he has a theory that dinosaurs were really pets for bigger people <laughs> long before humans existed. And I have to say, I'm with you, Jordan Clarkson. Do not is doubt. He, is he having fun or not? God, I hope not. I uh, hope this is actually what he believes. Okay. NBA now players that, are the best. Now that you bring that up, here's my daily complaint. What? The Washington Consul person member. Did you see this? No. He's having to apologize for his anti-Semitic suggestion that the Jewish Rothschilds in Europe manipulate the weather to, oh, for their own I good. Did see that. It's, it's an old theory. And, you know, I can see the anti-Semitism, but as I said, as I said on Twitter, how about something about the utter stupidity here? We got to have a little attention for that tomorrow.